0: Good to be with you tonight. Um, yeah, I'm Tim, as Joy says, if we haven't had a chance to meet, I know there's one or two people who are here uh, for the first time, so it's uh, especially good to see you. Um, page 1081 in the Green Bibles, which you should find on a seat near you. This is our reading this evening. Actually, it was our reading last week. For those of you here last week, I'm just so much in it, I thought I'd revisit it. Uh, Will was unpacking about the wisdom of the world. I want to... Think about um, revelation uh, this evening, just for those of you who are here two weeks ago um, i, I 'm going to sort of just pick up on some bits from the, the talk I gave two weeks ago. If you want to catch up on that you 'll find it online um, and you can you can see it there, just various comments or feedback questions that came out of that i thought okay i 'll pick up on some of those things. And again, just for those of you who knew or if you've been away for a little bit, we're finishing off a series um, that we've we've taken the title. It's an exhortation that um, a congregation prays to a newly baptized candidate. In fact, it's just before the actual baptism, but it's after the the signing of of the cross on the forehead of the candidate. And then the congregation all say, fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin the world, and the devil, and remain his faithful soldier and servant for the rest of your days, for the rest of your life. So it's this um, exhortation, kind of an urging, an encouragement, a prayer, fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ, and remain faithful to him. And we've been sort of taking uh, lines of that, or or phrases from that exhortation, and, and speaking into it, teaching into it. Here is Paul teaching to uh, the Corinthian church. who the, the Corinthians, you're probably aware, it was kind of Greek culture. They, they, were, they prided themselves in, in their kind of f- philosophical wisdom and insight, wise in human standards. And Paul is saying, yeah, I, I get that you're really wise and learned um, philosophers, but actually this wisdom of God is of a different order. It, 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 in fact, he says, you know, I didn't come with chapter 2. I didn't come with sort of wise words or powerful preaching. I came in fear and trembling, verse 3. And yet there's, there's something to the message that I have through the revelation that God brings that enables us to see what he's doing in our lives. So, um, verse 6 of chapter 2. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, these things God has prepared for those who love him. For God has revealed them, to us by his spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit within? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is it who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom. But in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit taught words. So the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the Lord? so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So just to to recap, I had my big flaky things that kept on falling off, so I've sort of (laughs) rehashed it. um, A slightly smaller sheet, if you can... um, you can see that there. But this is the idea of, of how we grow to maturity as Christians. This is how, how the, the sort of life of God is, is rooted and formed and established in us such that we live lives that make him look good. We, we live lives counter to the culture that, that, that enables us to fight valiantly, to stand firm, to resist the undercurrents that swirl around us, the world, the sin, the devil. Uh, It it comes from just knowing stuff, being informed of stuff. Um, uh, And we we looked a couple of weeks ago about... About this idea that you know the, the, the enemy sometimes uses that to bombard our minds with so much information, almost too much information. Podcasts coming out of our ears, left, right, and center. Ideas. You go into a, to the, a bookstore. Look at look at just the realm of books on well-being or wholeness or spirituality. There's just all this wisdom of the world, as Paul would would call it. Lots of ideas. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's the other and we, Oh my goodness. So so what we need is Revelations. We come around the circle. That's what I want to major on tonight. We need the mind of Christ to help us to sift through the clouds and the confusion, the density of everything that's out there. Revelation, which itself leads to another work of God in us. Below the line is what God does. He brings revelation by his Spirit. The Spirit transforms us, realigns our motives and our priorities to come in line with, with God's sort of plumb line measure for our lives. We, we, we wonder, oh, maybe this, maybe that. No, transformation brings us, a, and, then, and then the power of God just channels straight through our lives and makes it relatively easy to reform our behavior so that the way in which we act and speak, it, it exudes, pours out the life of God the Spirit of God, so that others might see. I I pointed out last week that the the danger is that the sort of information, we gather information and we are responsible ultimately for our behavior here on earth. And and what we kind of do is is short circuit this process. So most sort of school assemblies and and, and many church talks, sadly, sometimes they sort of say, you know, this is what Jesus says, this is what the Bible teaches, so this is what you must do. And you think, well, here, I've, I've, I've heard what the preacher said or I heard what the Bible says, now I must try and do it. And of course, that, that just leads to, to exhaustion, to, to weariness, to, to burnout. We become disillusioned because we can be, all of us can be good for 24 hours, 48 hours, some of us for a week. I mean, perfect. But, I mean, you know how we're coming up to January the 1st, New Year's resolutions. We say, okay, I'm going to... New Year's resolutions are classic. Oh, I've, I've thought about something new I can do or something else I could sort of jettison, take off. That's a good idea. I'm, I'm going to reform my life, my own effort, pull up my bootstraps, try harder. How, how, long, how long do New Year's resolutions last, <laughs> if, 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 if we're honest? So, and, oh, God, I can never... Or always, and we, we become disillusioned, we lose hope, revelation for God has revealed to us by His spirit the wisdom of heaven that enables us to live our lives, transformed lives that enable us to reform our, our living no one 's understood uh, uh, Paul says here in verse nine. Um, uh, what eye has seen, what ear has heard. What, what no human mind has conceived these things God has prepared for those who love him. For God has revealed them to us by his spirit. In his letter to the Ephesians, he, 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 chapter 1, verse 17, he says, I, I, it's a prayer. He prays that the church there would, would have the eyes of their heart enlightened. We've, we've got eyes in our head that enable us to see physical things. Paul's talking about being able to see things that aren't that obvious. The, if you like, unseen and that's essentially what revelation is. Revelation is, it sounds like a sort of, you know, poncy spiritual word. Basically, revelation is just, oh, yeah. It's when you, sometimes you maybe even say it out loud, but, or you, you, you feel yourself saying it in, inside. Oh, yeah. I'd, if something's always been true, I just hadn't seen just how true it was. Oh, yeah. That's That's... Just, just by His Spirit working in us, opening the eyes of our heart, so that we can see like Jesus sees. I will give you an example using our our sort of our ongoing metaphor. I've I've used this sort of the the sponge and the water. Um, The sponge represents us. The sponge is porous, Um, and so it's it's kind of created. It's designed. Just part of its makeup is to is to receive whatever's surrounding it. So if I put it into the water it will just soak up the water because it's porous. Hmm. That doesn't seem to be happening. And drips running off where it's had sort of surface contact. Why isn't, because the sponge is porous, so why isn't the water going into the sponge? It Doesn't have to be a rhetorical question actually, so throw it to the floor. Okay, it's a rhetorical question. Um, <laughs> the, the, reason, the reason I suggest, not being a physicist myself, but the reason I suggest is because the sponge is, is it's not that it's empty, it, it's always full of something. In this case, it's full of air. The porosity of the sponge means it's taken in the air. And so if I want the sponge to be full of water, I've got to, you probably noticed me having to do I've got to, I've got to squeeze out the air, so now squeeze out the air, submerge it in the water, and as it regains, out of the squeeze, it regains its porosity. <laughs> Check me out. <laughs> there. Now, ah, now it's, if you squeeze out the air, and it can be filled with the water. I, I wonder how many of you just don't want, you, you kind of knew that, but as I've sort of pointed that out in the illustration, you've gone, oh yeah. So you said, we tend to think, because of the way I've led you with this illustration in previous weeks, is that it's sponge and water, water sponge, so the sponge will be full of water. And if it's not full of water, it's full of nothing. No, it's always full of something. If it isn't water, it'll be full of something else, because it's porous. Just if we take that analogy and, and swap it back into um, our, the way in which we're made by God... G.K. Chesterton summed it up this wonderful phrase he said when when people cease to worship God they don't worship nothing they worship anything because we're porous to spiritual things to spiritual beings and if we don't worship God we don't worship nothing we worship any old idol that pops up its head and, and offers its siren attractions towards us Oh, yeah. I, I'm hoping, I've been praying as I've been preparing this message this evening, I'm, I'm hoping that there'll be a, a number of little aha moments. Not, not that they're just things you kind of, you, you sort of, they were sort of real, sort of, but they just, the, the spirit goes, see? And you go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. J.A.K. Smith, um, contemporary theologian, American theologian, he's written a book called Desiring the Kingdom. Uh, and you can get, catch excerpts of it on YouTube, uh, or you can get the book and read it. Um, and he, he, in, in his book, he basically the question he's asking is, what do you really desire? What do you really want? If, if you like, what do you, what do you, with all the information, what do you really want to have revealed that you can really see? And he argues that we, we don't, what we don't really. What we, what we think we know and want and desire is not what we really think and know and desire. He argues that there's a kind of a gap, if you like, a blind spot, something that has not yet been hard to us between what we, we, we say we want and love and know and what we really want and love and know. He, he calls them the, these cultural liturgies. Um, they're things that they're, because they, they're they're around us, they surround us so much. We we maybe can't see how they act on us to shape our real desire deep down. So we say, "Well, I want to serve God, and I, I want to you know live my life uh, as a witness to Him in my workplace, and I you know, I, I want to live a worthy life, and you know, I'd love to be free from worry and anxiety. I'd love all these things. But what do you what do you really?" really want and has has the spirit revealed that to you he um one of the examples he he gives is with this little black object oblong here <laughs> this little rectangle he says these things shape our cultural history. they they shape our worship more than we realize he says he we don't realize how much they do he he, he calls them um Uh, the ego machine this little thing here is pretty much everyone in the room I would guess has got one of these the ego machine and what it what it says is that is that everything can be available available to me all the time he says and actually that plays into what we we really want if we're honest I, I I want to have it all I'll give you an example Just just of of how, just all all the stuff that we have it needs God's revelation so that we can see what's really going on in our lives. Real life example, two weeks ago in the morning service. (laughs) It was also, same time of the the, the 10 o'clock service, it was also um, the T20 World Cup final in which England cricket team were playing. And a few of the uh, dads came to church to participate in an act of worship with one of these things, and the thing about these things is that they can show the World Cup cricket. So what the dads did, I don't know whether they know that I know this, (laughs) is they found themselves very busy in the back with the children, you you need to be with the children, and they they were in an act of worship, but they were also watching the cricket. And just before you at the five get all smug about them at the 10, I know the football's on <laughs> during the evening service, and I can see in the back row occasional sort of... We all do it. I confess I did it the other day. I was on the phone to a member of my family, whilst also with my Joe Jo so on her phone, and I was also checking my family. We're doing it all the time. We think we can have it all. Just on that two weeks ago, The dads thought, I can worship with the church, and I can watch the cricket. And the reality is, they were doing neither. They were neither fully engaged in the worship, nor really, because kids were around, and they've got that slight guilty conscience with the wife who's somewhere else. Slight guilty conscience about the cricket. So they weren't fully engaged in the cricket, and they weren't fully engaged in the worship. They weren't doing anything. But this is what they were doing. They were worshipping the idol of convenience. You can do both, the idol whispers. You can have it all. You can do everything. This little thing here makes everything available to you. And Smith argues in his book, using the phone as an example, is that we're becoming, in our our worldview and our patterns, we're becoming egocentric, not theocentric. We're losing the ability to worship God with body, mind, heart, and soul. Because we're actually, through this little thing, invisibly, without God revealing it to us, this little thing is actually turning worship in on us. I can do everything. Aha moment. (laughs) I thought it was just a phone, quite useful, a few apps I can contact. Yeah. But what is it doing? This is is why we need the mind of Christ to to get all this information. And the information I'm just giving you now, what I'm holding up to you now, you take it and with the Spirit, you enable the Spirit to open the eyes of your heart. That is what will bring true transformation to release you to live a life that genuinely is worshipping, that genuinely is focused on God, that genuinely is taking the eyes off self, putting self to death, in order that Christ might live in us. Eugene Peterson, a wonderful church pastor, and um, he's uh, probably maybe best known for writing the 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 message translation of the Bible. He wrote a number of amazing pastoral books. He said this, and this, in a sense, takes us round the circle. There's this quote. I'll I'll read it a couple of times. It says, Don't avoid sin, but make every effort to recognize it. God's revelation. Make every effort to recognize it. Focus on the grace of Jesus Christ, who dealt with our sin, overcame it, and enlarged us in him as a result. love that. Don't avoid sin. Make every effort to recognize it. Focus on the grace of Jesus Christ who dealt with our sin and overcame it and enlarged us in him as a result. I, I love that idea, that image of being enlarged in him. That's, that's the transformation bit. That when we see what God has done for us in Christ, when we see how actually the, the, the cultural liturgies tease us away and stray us away from what God has done when we recognize that don't avoid it recognize it confront it and then bring it to the foot of the cross focus on God's love for you in Christ how he wants you for himself and then allow him to enlarge you in him a bit like the sponge we, we, get, we get squeezed out so emptied By the culture in which we live. But as we as we allow ourselves to be immersed in Christ, so the sponge is enlarged, enlarged with, in this case, the water, as we as we translate the metaphor, we are enlarged by the life of God. We're made big in Him. You want to fight valiantly? You want to remain faithful? You want want a life that is free from worry or anxiety? A, a, just a poise and a presence a kind of non anxious presence in our world today then it 's to be filled with the spirit brings this revelation of who we are in him that transforms us so that we can repattern our lives will you will you permit me a, World Cup season, a, a, a football analogy. It is one I've, I've bought before, so some of you may be familiar with this, but it was, it was, I just remember it being so striking around um, one of the men at the moment, I guess, um, Gareth Bale, captain of Wales, record number of caps. Um, extraordinary, just a, a little sort of, um, he had stick legs as a teenager, um, little boy from the valise. Uh, Southampton spotted him and um, he, he played in their youth team. He broke into their first team and then Tottenham spotted him. And he played two, three, four seasons, Spurs fans Panzer, correct me, three or four seasons, did he, I think, for Tottenham. He had one stellar season where he scored a whole load of goals and most of the goals were spectacular. There hardly any tap ins. He scored these. Spa- and that aroused the attention of Real Madrid, who you'd argue is one of the greatest club sides in the history of. Um, of world football. And they paid what was then a record fee for uh, an outfield player, or any player, um, 80 million euros for this little lad from the valleys. And I, I say this because um, there was a picture, and you, if you Google it, you'll find it, of when he first turned up in one of his first training um, uh, training sessions at the club, new club. And he happened to arrive in the car park with Ronaldo and all these other stars, Ronaldo was playing for Real Madrid at the time, along with all these other Galaticos, you know, the superstars of, of football, they were all there. And they were the, I mean, it was just a, the, the car park was just an array of you know, expensive cars. And there's Ronaldo dripping in bling. He's got this bag that someone has sort of Googled the bag he had just sort of slung over his shoulder, and it was, that was worth sort of thousands and thousands of pounds. And so the, you know these, these guys unbelievably well. I mean, we could talk about the morality of football and money and everything. That's a, that's another talk for another time. But just go with the, go with go with this analogy. And the, the thing was Gareth Bale, this, this little boy, he, this sort of rise to to fame and stardom of being. Quite meteoric in a, in a sense, and Gareth Bale—he's turned up for training. His his Ronaldo, all the bling in the bags, and Ronaldo's turned up, and he's got his boots and his kit in a in a I think it was a sort of Waitrose bag. It was a, it was a polythe- it was a sort of carrier bag, like that. And it's just this weird juxtaposition. You think, oh my goodness, Bale, you you're the most expensive footballer on the planet, and you're playing for the. Arguably the greatest team on the planet. You've turned up. <laughs> you're in a carry bag as if you're in sort of year 11 PE. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is, this is what revelation leading to transformation means for each and every one of us. When, when little Gareth Bale from the valleys... Sits down and signs the contract. The ink is still wet on his contract, and legally, he is one hundred percent a Real Madrid player. He completely belongs, no less than Ronaldo and all the rest. He he told it legally, but think about it, and and this is why I, this analogy. I want you to sort of try and imagine. You know, what it felt like for Bale, and, and then juxtapose that into our everyday lives as people seeking to live for Jesus. Legally, he's 100 Contractually, he's 100% Real Madrid. But how do you think he felt on his first day there? Having been a Tottenham player, he, he feels way more a Tottenham player. He knows all the names of the backroom staff and, and the people in the tea room, he knows where the toilets are at White Hart Lane training ground. He's got no idea at Real Madrid. He speaks the language at Tottenham. He doesn't speak Spanish or or, or multitude of, 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 of languages in, in, the, uh, in the dressing room at Real Madrid. He's got, no, he's got no idea of the tactics at Real Madrid, but he knows how Tottenham play. He's so familiar with Tottenham, he's got no idea about... 100% Real Madrid according to the contract, but according to his heart, his experience, his emotions... He feels way more Tottenham than Real Madrid then just let 's just suppose that the very first game he plays is Real Madrid against Tottenham. Can you feel the conflict that you feel I mean, I mean, Obviously, I mean, it's, it's so obvious, I don't need to state it, but obviously he doesn't go on the pitch in Real Madrid, Real Madrid kit and go, well, because I've only just started at Real Madrid and I'm far more familiar with Tottenham, I'll play 30% of the game for Real Madrid. 30% of the time, I'll pass the ball to Real Madrid players, but the rest of the time, I'll pass you know, to Tottenham players. He'd get sacked immediately. No, this is who you are. Be who you have become. Live out of your new identity, even if you don't feel it. God's Spirit reveals in our heart who we are, and that's what begins the process of transformation. If we like with with Gareth Bale, we'd say Real Madrid needs to be enlarged in you so that it becomes real to you. This is who you are. You are a Real Madrid player. There's the contract, 100%. Now, now allow Real Madrid to be enlarged in you. That will transform the way you play, because you play out of who you know you are. Here's the deal. Some people were saying, um, asking, I gather, came back to me. Good questions. On the... um, on the, I was speaking about this last time. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I know what it is to, to get, learn some stuff, read the Bible, read a book, listen to a talk or a podcast, or whatever, and then try and put it in into action. And, and this kind of burnout, this weariness, this kind of works, religion, you know, trying to do my best. But ha- how? how? How do I do this bit? How does revelation lead to transformation? And it's back to the cultural liturgy of, of Jamie Smith. You can't do it all. If, if the sponge is going to be full of water, then I've, I've, got, to, I've got to squeeze out the air. Or, or as I've just done it here, if, if you want the sponge full of air, there it, there it is, just, it's the air just going in, giving it shape back again, I've got to get rid of the water. But if I want water in it, I've got to squeeze out the air in order for the sponge to be full of water. You, you can't have air and water in the sponge. Dads, you can't worship in the church as we gather for worship and watch the cricket. It's one or the other. I, I feel for the dads. Back in the day, when I had young kids, we didn't have iPhones. It wasn't possible for me to watch cricket on the, so I had to choose. Either I go to church, or I stay at home and watch the cricket. I, I couldn't do both. So, so I haven't grown up with the challenge that there is now in the world where this little thing is whispering to me, you can, no you can't, no you can't. And revelation, and aha moments ago, yeah, Actually, I can't. Revelation enables me to see I'm going to have to say no to some things in order to say yes to others. And that's actually just church history. The fathers all down the ages, they, they talk of two um, coterminous practices, two, two disciplines that take place at the same time for any Christian who wants to see more of God in their life so that they can, can grow, be transformed and grow. Mortification and vivification. From the from Latin words, mort mortis death and viv uh, uh, or vivenda is it the which is life. So mortification is is putting stuff to death. It's 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 squeezing out the things that stop us from seeing God, and vivification is immersing ourselves into life. Bringing to life. So it's practices or or disciplines as they use them, habits, if you like, typically fasting, um, retreats, uh, study of God's scripture, uh, or or celebration, joy, uh, thanksgiving, practicing, giving actually giving attention to those things, putting to death those things that God reveals won't bring health to our lives and then breathing in, eating on, feasting on those things that God reveals to us will. The world out there won't tell you that. The world has got its own agenda. We will will need to say no to elements of the world's message out there. Fight valiantly against sin, the flesh and the devil, against the world so that we can remain faithful to him, soldiers and servants, for the rest of our lives. And, and that's not easy. Christian life, living the Christian life, fighting the Christian battle is, is wearying at times. Another analogy. It's like going on a, a long walk. And so you, you take the kit, you take your rucksack with you, and you start off, you're full of energy, you think, great, brilliant, map, compass, here I go. And you, and you start off walking. But after a while, you're walking uphill, maybe you've, you've set yourself the goal of getting to the top of, that, top of that mountain and you're just climbing up and it's pretty wearying and you, you become aware that actually this, this pack on the back, it started off, it didn't feel that heavy but it's now beginning to feel quite burdensome, it's kind, of, it's kind of double the weight it feels like. And we're kind of, we're back in this thing where, you know, we, we, oh God, it's, it, I'm trying to, to do this journey in my own strength. And it's as if God says, well, what have you got in the pack? <laughs> and it just started the rain as well, so I'm getting wet now. And cold and shivery. So what have I got in the pack? Turns out, I've got a cag. Oh, so I've could put that on, and I won't get wet anymore. And um, look, I've got, I've got some food. And I've got, a, I've got a stove in here. So I could actually give myself some hot food. And, and, and so I was getting a little bit dehydrated. I've got, I've got some water, that's what's weighing me down, all this stuff. And there's, look, I've even got snacks as well. Ah, oh. so I eat the snacks and I drink the drink and I eat the food and it energizes me on the inside. It gives me fresh energy. And, and guess what? The pack now is really light. So I put this on and I haven't got the burden on my back and I've got the energy within me. That's what, transformation is it's the work of God by his spirit energizing us from the inside out so that I'm I'm re-released if you like to fin up the mountain and get to the top coming into land (laughs) someone once said that the Christian life Christian living fighting valiantly in a sustained way begins with inhabitation not imitation. And again, I, I wonder with most people, if you listen to them, well, what is it to be a, a Christian? Oh, well, it's you know, it's reading the Bible and saying your prayers and going to church and, 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 and sort of doing all these things so that you can be like Jesus. Actually, I often I catch myself sometimes summing up our, our vision here is you know that each and every one of us would grow in such a way that we live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. And, and I, I stand by that as long as we understand that that's shorthand. I don't mean just try, try your best to be like Jesus. That's imitation. But the, the Christian life is recognizing what God has done for us in Christ. It's recognizing, therefore, who I am in Christ. That he has come to live in me. Sponge in water, water in sponge. As I, to use Paul's language, I, I live in christ he lives in me it's the final line of that wonderful prayer it's known as the prayer of humble access before we take communion every time we take communion that we may dwell in him and he in us just quick silly football analogy again Lionel messi possible last world cup Let's hope Argentina go far. If England aren't going to win it, then, as speaking as an Englishman, then it'd be great if Argentina did. Lionel Messi. I mean, just if, if, just go with me if you're not into football. But who wouldn't like to play football like Lionel Messi? I mean, wow. I, I I mean, just to be able to just do some of those dazzling dribbles or score a goal like Lionel Messi. Will I ever be able? Will I ever be able to be? Even the merest shadow of Lionel Messi? No. <laughs> this morning, I uh, worshiped for everyone. Oh, Lord. We, had, we had a baptism, so there were some visitors. And I, I put that out. I said, anyone like to be like Lionel Messi? Score goals like Lionel Messi? And this young man, he was sitting here. he was about uh, nine or ten. And he sh- his hand shot up. He said, yeah, I would. And I said, I said what's, what's your name? He said, I'm Hugo. Hugo. I said, um, do, do you think it's likely, do you think you'll ever be like Lionel Messi? And he stood there for quite a long time. He considered that question. And then he went, probably not. (laughs) I know, (laughs) probably not, like he was really thinking, well, maybe. (laughs) Fanciful, fanciful thing. Uh, Look, Hugo, sorry to break it to you, any of us here. We're not going to, none of us can match Lionel Messi. But what about this? What if Lionel Messi could live in us? What if instead of me trying to imitate Lionel Messi, I'll never be able to do it. But what if Lionel Messi inhabited me? What if he came to actually live in me? Then I could score goals like Lionel Messi because Lionel Messi is playing within me. And that's obviously fanciful on on a human level when we think about Messi or any other on, on on the sort of physical realm. But in the spiritual realm, this is the extraordinary thing about Christianity, it it began with death rising. It began with a man conquering death and rising to brand new life by the power of the Spirit. And that same Spirit, Paul says, lives in you and me. I don't understand that, but I believe it. It's a gift that we can receive. We can be soaked full of God living in us. And that enables us to fight valiantly. Paul says, final thing he says in his letter to the Galatians, he says, you know, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of, of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That is revelation. That's what, ah, oh, uh, Abba, it's almost like, "Aha, ah. Uh-huh, oh, I, I see who I, I know who I was. I was a slave to sin and to fear. But now, because your spirit has filled me, Uh, Ah, I see who I am in Christ. I am a son and a daughter. It's not what we do that determines who we are. It's who we are that determines what we do. And we'll only know who we are through revelation that brings transformation. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, Abba, Father, I see who I am in relation to you. And that is what enables me to change my behavior and to live a life in, in line with God's plans for my life. So it, I'm walking with the wind, with his energy that enables me and sustains me. Many of us, I don't want to assume in this room, but I come across Christians in my... Yeah. Christians in my, in, my, in my day job. <laughs> and, and the reason why they, they, they struggle is because they're trying to be what they don't really believe they are. They're living like slaves trying to be sons. If only by the Spirit of God, from what they read in Scripture, they would allow themselves to be so full of scripture and its truth that they'd squeeze out the lies of the enemy that's why we're selling this book Live No Lies squeeze out the lies and allow myself to be filled porous to God's truth revelation I'm a son, I'm a daughter I belong in his kingdom why wouldn't I want to live for him? fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil, and remain faithful to him as his soldier and servant the rest of your days. Amen.